0: Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here today. There are a lot of things that fill our time and our schedules this time of year. I think, unfortunately, the Christmas season has been filled with busyness, which doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about the simplicity of the story that the kids just shared with us, that in the stillness and the quietness of a dark night, a baby was laid in a manger. Nothing could be more simple and still than that. And yet we tend to make this season about so many other things and priorities and to-do lists and, and all of that. So thank you for not losing track of the main thing. Thank you for being in God's house today. Thank you for taking some time to slow down and remember what this season is all about. These weeks leading up to Christmas, which is the season of Advent. Advent is from a Latin word, adventus, which literally means the arrival or the coming. And so preparing our hearts For the arrival and the coming of our Savior, our Messiah. And so this Advent, if you've been around the last couple weeks, you may have noticed that we're not preaching on some of the traditional themes of, you know, Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the shepherds and things uh, like that. We'll get to that next week with the Christmas services, but we are in the middle of a series right now uh, on the book of Revelation because nothing says warm, fuzzy, Merry Christmas like the end of the world. So that's what we're doing at all of our campuses uh, at Hope, but uh, I think if I can get some reaffirming nods right now. This has been a good series. You've learned something about the book of Revelation. It's been a good. I'm getting some nods, um, a few of those. No, we'll work on that today. Uh, hopefully this is clearing things up for you and not making it more confusing. And I think what we're, what we're going to discover, and what we have already discovered, is the parallels that exist between God's people that waited for thousands and thousands of years And all through the prophecies, all through the Old Testament for the coming of of Jesus' first coming for the Messiah, there's so many parallels between that and our waiting and our hoping and our longing now for Jesus' second return. I think we're going to discover that the book of Revelation has far more to do with our lives today than we thought. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Revelation chapter 22. And I guarantee this might be the easiest scripture that I've ever had you look up. Take your Bible, flip to the back binding okay? And then go a page back, and that's it, okay? It's literally the last page of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. Or if you've got your uh, smartphone, take out your Bible app because you're going to want to follow along today. Revelation chapter 22. And so we're wrapping up this series uh, today on the book of Revelation. We have not done it justice, but we've done our best in the few weeks that we have. And so we learned last week, just a little recap of where we went last week, that because we know the end of the story, that's the the gist of the book of Revelation, we know how it's going to end. This vision that Jesus gives to John, who wrote it down for us, that is now in Scripture. Because we know the end of the story, we can live In light of that today, we we can live with Jesus forever. We have that and live in light of that victory now. And so we learned that because Jesus, last week, we learned that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is on the throne. Okay? Jesus has the last word. And what does that mean for you today? That the worst thing is never the last thing. Just think about that for a second. The worst thing that you could experience on this earth, death itself. The death of a loved one. Some of you, this is going to be your first Christmas without somebody that's close to you, without a loved one that has died this last year. The worst thing that this life could throw at you has been taken care of. The worst thing is never the last thing because Jesus is the last thing. Because Jesus gets the final word. Amen? So that's kind of where we left off last week, and that because of that, we can be people of hope. Everybody say hope. hope. Not talking about the church, but people of hope. Okay, but this is kind of a two-part thing. A lot of times I'll write a sermon and I'll kind of get to the end of it of what we have time for and say, oh, I got 20, 30, 40 more minutes, so I'm just going to keep on going. And then I see all of you going, no, I've got dinner in the crock pot. No, we can't go much longer. So this is part two playing off of last week. If we are indeed people of hope, what does that actually mean for us right now, here today, December 15th, 2019? Because let's get honest for a second. We're about a week and a half out from Christmas And some of you are exhausted. Some of you are stressed. Some of you have uh, to-do lists that go on and on and on. Some of you are stressed out about getting your house ready or getting all your shopping done, which if you're my wife, you've had your shopping done for three months. If you're me, I'm going to start tomorrow uh, on that. Differences, right? But we all have our different stressors. This season has been synonymous with busyness, or you've got big projects that you need to work up, uh, finish up in the calendar year for work or at school or whatever you're up to. And deeper than that, on a personal level, for some of you, the budget is really tight. There's financial stress. Maybe you're out of a job. Three people come up to me today and say, My, all I want for Christmas is a paycheck, is a job. For some of you, you have stress in your job. Maybe, uh, you know, as cute as your kids are, were up here this morning, they are driving you crazy and you are swimming in the sea of parenting. Or maybe you have grown kids that are making tough and difficult decisions and you're trying to navigate that. Maybe you have fear of the future. Maybe there's tension in your marriage and your family and your relationships. I mean, you all know all the song, the song we sing all the time, right? It's the most wonderful time of, help me out, it's the most wonderful time of the year, except when it's not, right? Can we just be honest this morning? Sometimes it's not. Sometimes this can be the most difficult time of the year for a lot of you. There is a lot going on, and so you're saying, Pastor John, this is great and cute and everything that we know the end of the story in the book of Revelation, and that's great, but I need a God for today. I need a faith that works today, right? There's stuff that you're up against that you're dealing with, and that's great, but I need a faith for today. And I think what we're going to discover today is that Revelation is not only a book that points forward to the future, it's a book that points backward right into the mess of our lives right now. And we're going to find out why. So, people, I know it's Christmas, but we're going to take a deep dive into Revelation today. Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. All right, Revelation chapter 22, literally the last chapter of The Bible. So Jesus has given John this vision of this new heaven and this new earth, okay, in the age to come, okay? And we get this picture in verse 1. It says, then the angel showed me, so John is speaking, okay, pay attention to the words here, the river of water of life, the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, okay, just try to picture this image in your head, Flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb, so there Jesus is there, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Everybody say tree of life. So remember that image. Bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. How beautiful of a statement is that? You know what that means? No more war. Ever. No more violence. No more hatred, no more prejudice, no more racism. I can't wait for that day. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that day. The healing of the nations. Verse three, no longer will there be any curse. Skip to verse five, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Can I mean, you picture that? I mean, isn't that just amazing? Isn't that incredible? I mean, this is a picture of of perfection this is a picture of eden the way that it was meant to be it's inspiring it's comforting it's perfection it's the way things were meant to be the one thing that that passage in revelation 22 is not reality can i get an amen that is not the world that we live in right we don't live in a revelation 22 world yet we wish but we look around us and realize that's not it i mean that passage right there that that's not life today that seems too good to be true, right? It's like all the news is good news, right? But we know that's not the case. We live in a world where there's good news and there's bad news. I mean, can you imagine watching the news and all it is is good? Because no, nothing bad has happened, right? The world is exactly the way it was meant to be. Well, there's some folks, uh, our friend Jimmy Fallon. Any Jimmy Fallon fans out there? Good. More of you than last service. So you'll enjoy this more. That's great. Um, so Jimmy Fallon, his late night crew, did this spoof called I've Got Good News And good news. And they had real-life anchors share what would it be like if we were living in the end of the world right now and everything was perfect and put back together and there is no bad news. Let's take a look. Uh. There you go. I've got good news and good news, right? Wouldn't it be awesome if that's what the news was like all the time? You're just scrolling through your feed there. It's like everything's great, right? Nobody's angry at each other. We all get along. Everything's wonderful, right? But that's not the world that... We live in right so often we hear the phrase you hear somebody come up to you and say okay i've got good news and i've got bad news this side of heaven that's the world we live in those live side by side because we don't live in a revelation 22 world yet we see the violence and the injustice and the pain around us and i think something inside of us that even if you don't believe in god something inside of you has to say this is not right This is not the way that things were meant to be. And so we see this discrepancy between what we're promised at the end of time and the way it is right now. I mean, have you ever stopped and wondered, how how can we live in a world of so much good and so much love and and so many images of beauty and relationships that are good, and at the same time, in the same world, at the same place, at the same time, so much pain and heartache? How can those things coexist at the same time? So, in order to understand what John is telling us here in the book of Revelation, we actually need to understand the beginning of the story. In order to understand the end, we have to understand. The beginning. So we're actually going to go back to the book of Genesis, which is a the first book in your Bible, which is a book, a story of our origin. So we're going to start today in Genesis, and we're going to go all the way to Revelation. I'll have you out of here by eight o'clock tonight. Okay, ready? <laughs> Feeling good about that? No, seriously, we're going to go back to Genesis. If you have your Bibles, keep your finger literally in the last page of your Bible and flip all the way back The beginning, okay. So, when you go home and somebody asks you what the pastor preached about this morning, you can say the whole thing, okay. (laughs) The whole Bible, okay. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, okay. So, you know the story God creates the heavens and the earth, He creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, and places them in the beautiful garden called Eden. And Eden was perfect. And we read this starting in verse 9 of chapter 2. In the middle of the garden was the what? Everybody say tree of life. Tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10, and a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. Does that image, does that picture remind you of anything? Revelation 22. We just read it, right? It's the exact same image as we get at the end of the story. So you know God places them in Eden. And Adam and Eve had this deep, profound intimacy and this connection with God. They lived at peace with God and excuse me and with each other and the tree in genesis was called the tree of life and then there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil why is that because god has so much respect for his creation for us that god is never going to force himself on us He's never going to force himself into our lives. And so he gives us this choice. He says, you can live life the way that you were created, my way, or you can try to live life on your own. And when we look in the world around us and see the pain and the heartache and the death and the destruction and the violence, that's where it comes from. And so you know the story from that moment that Adam and Eve chose to live by their own rules. The story of Eden is not that it happened, it's that it's happening. When you look at the world around you and you just think, this is not the way things are supposed to be. When you look inside of you and you realize, I keep making the same mistakes over and over. I can't be the man or woman that I want to be. Why do these things keep happening to me? Those are whispers of Eden. That is our story. And so get this. At the beginning of the story, you have a tree. At the end of the story, you have a tree. It just so happens we have Christmas trees. That's not what they looked like. Okay, we'll get to that next week. But at the beginning of the story, is a tree. At the end of the story is a tree. Only this one in Revelation is not marked by sin and evil. It's fully restored. And so God says in the book of Revelation, Behold, I am making all things new. I'm restoring it, not just trees, but I'm making all things new, the whole earth, all of creation, even you and me. And so if that's how it ends, and Genesis is how it begins, would it be safe to say that you and I live our lives between the trees? We live our lives in a world in the in-between, between the trees, between how things were meant to be and how things are going to be someday when they are fully restored. So the question for us here today is how do we best live in between the trees. What do we do in the meantime? And this gets at the central question of what is Christianity all about? What is the gospel, okay? We know that Jesus is coming back someday, that he's gonna fully restore everything and make a new heaven and a new earth, and everybody wants to be with Jesus someday, and so we put our faith in Jesus. The question is, now what do we do, right? Do we just sit around and wait And depending on your church background, which I love about Hope, is that we've got people from all sorts of different denominational and faith backgrounds, and they found a safe place spiritually to be here at Hope. But because of that, we realize as pastors there are a lot of different views out there of the afterlife. There's a lot of different views there about what the end of the world is going to be like and what the point of the gospel is. And so depending on your background, you, you get a lot of different answers. For some people, it's like, well... Here's the thing with Christianity. If I just believe the right thing, then someday this world's going to end and it's going to like stop existing. And then there'll be like another reality, like another world in a heaven that we're going to take this, this, you know, 747 jet up to the cloud somewhere. And then we'll be up there with God forever. And if I just believe the right thing, I can do that. But until then, well, Christianity is basically just sitting around and waiting. For other people, it's like, well, okay, yeah, you got to believe the right thing, but or I just, I just going to try to be a really, really good person and do lots of nice things and try to be a good moral person. And then someday I'll get, you know, I'll get to the pearly gates and, and Peter will be there. And the only problem is that's not in the Bible. I'm going to get there and, and, and then Peter will be there and then he'll kind of he's like Santa Claus and he'll take out his naughty or nice list and I'll be able to see based on how good of a person I've been if I'm going to get into heaven. Again, the only problem is that's not in the Bible. The message of the gospel is not in our goodness and how good we are. The message of the gospel is that Jesus is that good and we're placing our faith in his goodness, in his righteousness and that is what allows us to have eternal life In Him. That is the gospel. Amen? Amen. I can't tell you how many funerals that I've been to where people come searching for hope in the midst of their sorrow and their grief. And and well-intentioned, good-meaning Christians that that have good hearts and good intentions. I've heard so many eulogies that pretty much the point is, well, so-and-so was a really nice person, and here's all the good things that they did during their life. So I'm sure that they're with Jesus today. No mention of Jesus, no mention of the cross, no mention of the resurrection. Basically, that we're treating the gospel like Santa Claus. They were on the nice list, and so then they get to be with Santa, I mean Jesus, for eternity. Don't confuse those. That's not the gospel. We are all on the naughty list. (laughs) We are all sinners in need of a Savior. The gospel is that Jesus is good enough for us, and we put our faith in him. And sometimes if we're not careful, we got to be really, really careful that we don't reduce the greatest news, the gospel, in the history of the world to fire insurance. Okay? I've got this set out in place over there, like a guarantee that something bad won't happen to me someday. And something inside of you just goes, that's it? That's why Jesus defeated sin, death, and the power of hell? So that I could hope that I'm good enough someday? the gospel says we can know that we know that we know and have that assurance of salvation that we've put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we know that we're going to spend eternity with Jesus forever. Amen? So that's the good news. That's the gospel, and that's what Jesus talks about in the gospels. Jesus offers us a much different take on eternal life. So whenever Jesus talks about eternal life, the the verbs in the Greek— that the original Bible was written in, are very different than the verbs that we have in English. In English, we have three tenses, the past, the present, and the future, for the most part. And in the Greek, those tenses get a little jumbled up and they get a little grace. when Jesus says eternal life, the words he's using there are Ionios, Ionios zoe, eternal life, Ionios zoe. And Ionios zoe, this eternal life, is not simply just a quantity of time, in the future, on the duration of time, but a quality of life here and now. It is both a present tense and an ongoing sense, meaning it doesn't start and then stop and then something else happens. The verb here in the Greek that Jesus uses, ionios, is a life that starts now and never stops. In other words, Jesus is saying eternity starts now. Followers of Jesus are people who are living and are going to live forever. And often Jesus will use his words here for eternal life and the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God interchangeably. He'll say, enter and receive eternal life or receive those who enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's like Jesus is saying, yes, there is a kingdom coming later in its fullness and the full restoration of the earth. But this Ionios Zoe, this eternal life, this way of living is available now. And somewhere along the line, we miss that. We focus so much on the future and rightly so. Eternity is a long time and that's amazing and we want to make heaven crowded. It's a part of our vision statement as a church, but not at the expense of the now. God's kingdom is now, and theologians say, not yet. It is both now and later. And, of course, I couldn't think about now and later without thinking about one of my favorite childhood candies. Do you remember now and later's? Everybody remember these? I asked my wife to get me a few for a sermon illustration, and she got me 1,700 of them. So I'm going I'm to share them with you uh, today. This is the part of the sermon where we make sure you're paying attention, all right? Hopefully your, your eyes are up here, right? Does anybody remember now and later's? They're amazing, and you just never know when one might be coming your way. Now, don't, it's like a baseball game. If it's coming to a little kid, don't pick it off in front of them, okay? (laughs) You gotta be ready because you never know. Right? You never know when Jesus might be inviting you into this incredible new life. It's just coming your way. And when you least expect it, it's coming your way, right? I thought about throwing them upstairs, but I, no, no injuries here for, for you guys uh, upstairs. But you never know when the eternal life of Jesus might be coming your way. It is both now and later. And here's the thing about now and later they're like starbursts, but better, right? And here's the thing when you, when you have a starburst, it's like, oh, that was juicy, now it's done, okay? The great thing about now and later is that you get that amazing enjoyment now, right, at first, and they last for an eternity. They <laughs> last forever. It's like gum, but it doesn't dissolve and get all crumbly in your mouth, right? The, the, the little tagline on the bottom there is the long-lasting chew, okay? It's both <laughs> now. I've got a few extras here. Is anybody? Here we go. There we go. Pass them around. Enjoy yourself. Now and later. Small candy. Big message. Small candy, powerful, big truth. And here's the thing. Because of Christmas, because Jesus came, we get to experience the Ionios Zoe, the eternal life, the kingdom of God with him now. It starts now. Because of Revelation, we get to experience the fullness of it forever. But life with Jesus, okay? You're not going to forget this now, the day you got hit in the head with a piece of candy from the pastor, okay? Life with Jesus is both for now and later. But we often miss the now. We often miss the now. You've probably heard it said or you've heard it, somebody's asked you, right? If you are going to die tonight, do you know where you would go, right? So the rest of the sermon, I'm going to hear this. All right, okay. Have you ever been asked that question? If you were gonna die tonight, do you know where you would go? Okay? And that's a very important question and gets to the importance of of knowing that we put our faith in Jesus. But the, the primary motivation in that question is fear based. And I don't know about you, but I don't think the message of Christianity is driven by fear. I think the message of the gospel is driven by invitation and opportunity. So what if instead of, do you know where you're going to go when you die? What if the primary question that we asked was, if you knew you were going to live forever, how would that impact how you live today? If you knew, if you had that assurance, I'm going to live forever. How would that put everything else in your life in perspective? If you knew that the things that you do now are going to matter in eternity, how would you live. And this makes total sense because when you think about the now, when Jesus came in the Gospels, yes, he talked about heaven and eternity someday. But when he taught his followers, his disciples, all of us, his students, most of his teachings were about the here and now. Most of his teachings were about you can step into this new reality, not the kingdom of Caesar, but the kingdom of God. And it's different. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus says. It's a, it's a new reality way of living that you can enter into now. Jesus teaches us to serve the poor and to pray for healing and to feed the hungry and to love the outcast and people that aren't like us and to take care of creation and invest in future generations. All these things that if Christianity was just about waiting around for heaven, none of that would matter. So why did Jesus teach us to do all those things now if it doesn't matter? But they do matter. And all of those things echo in eternity, a far cry from waiting around and hoping that you're good enough someday. No, the kingdom of God is on the move now and you get to be a part of it. So often we focus on what we have been saved from and rightly so. We have been saved from sin and death and that is amazing and that is powerful. But the other half of the gospel is what you and I have been saved for. We have been saved from sin and death for an eternal life, an Ionias zoe, with Jesus right here and now that's going to last forever. So we, the eternal life with Jesus isn't sitting around managing our sin. It's a life of purpose. It is a life of purpose. And this is where Revelation 22 helps us out here today. Okay, So what do we do as we live between the trees? It isn't a life of passivity. It's being able to live with Purpose. Look at verse 5. So flip back to uh, uh, Revelation 22, the end of the story, and look at verse 5, okay? So John is describing those who are living with Jesus in this new heaven and this new earth, okay? They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And listen to this verse. They will reign forever and ever. We are co-heirs with Christ, We're not going to be sitting around playing a harp for eternity. That sounds terrible, okay? We're going to reign forever. We're going to be who we were always meant to be. We were going to do what we were always meant to do. And the other thing I want you to notice here, whose kingdom is it that's lasting forever? Yours? Mine? There's one kingdom that's going to last forever, and that's God's. And the reason that's so important is because so many of us spend so many precious moments of our lives building our kingdom instead of God's kingdom. And he shall reign forever and ever, and we too with him will reign forever and ever. We spend so much time building our own kingdoms with things that don't last. His is the kingdom will be reigning in forever and ever. And so what does that tell me? I want to make sure that I'm spending my days doing things that are going to last, that are going to matter. And I know that when I'm investing in relationships and I'm serving and I'm giving my time and my money and I'm caring for those in need and I'm sharing my faith and telling other people for the sake of other people knowing about Jesus, it's going to last. Grandparents that are here today, parents that are here today, what does this mean for us? Our kingdoms aren't going to last The things that we think matter the most, especially this time of year, are not going to last. Yes, I'm not Scrooge saying don't get your kids any gifts, you know, any toys that aren't going to last past a week, right? Get them the toys, get them the trips, get them the vacation, but not until you've answered the most important question. The greatest gift that you can give your grandchildren, the greatest gift that you can give your kids is your living, breathing, daily relationship with Jesus Christ, Your kids, your grandkids have to know that the Jesus that they're singing about at church is real for you. It's not just a song that we sing or that I hear on the radio once in a while. I see grandpa, I see grandma, I see mom, I see dad living it out every single day. Build God's kingdom. The greatest gift that you can give to your children is your faith. Because it's the only thing that's gonna last. It's the only thing that's gonna last forever. And all of a sudden, when we realize that now matters, then we realize, oh, wait, how I spend my time this side of heaven matters. The the, the priorities, the schedule of my family, it matters. We're not just killing time for heaven. (laughs) We're living in it now. Now. And we can be a part of that restoration that's happening now. And the way I love matters. The way I serve matters. The What I do with my money and the way I give financially to what God is doing, it matters. When when you serve on the weekends, it matters. Who you're going to invite with that simple postcard for Christmas, it matters. I can't stress that enough. We have heard so many stories over the last 11 years of this church. That a simple invitation oh, they might say no. OK, that's the worst thing that could happen. I, I took a chance, I took a risk and I gave a postcard, or I just invited on Facebook or whatever. I invited a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, whatever it was. And I thought that they would say no, but they actually came. And that began a journey of them getting connected to the local church and then experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. One simple invitation to Christmas. It matters because we're planting seeds for eternity. What you do matters now and later. It's the best of both worlds. Because we know the end of the story, we can live in light of that now. We live in between the trees, first of all, with purpose And lastly, because we live in light of eternity, we can be people of radical generosity. Radical generosity. Why? Because we often forget, at the end of the story, we get the kingdom back, okay? We get everything back the way it was meant to be, fully restored, and we will not lack anything. I can't tell you how many people, how many adults specifically that I've talked to, I said, you getting anything for Christmas this year? And the resounding response is, yeah, I just don't really need anything. Relationships, my faith in God, those are the things that matter. Those are the things that are going to last. That feeling is what we'll have times a million in eternity. I'm not lacking anything. And because we know that we get the kingdom back, that everything is there, we don't have to spend our days on this earth hoarding money and hoarding stuff and trying to accumulate more things. And and what happens if I give a little bit too much and I don't, God is going to provide. And at the end of the day, we will have everything we need. Followers of Jesus should be the most generous people around. Why? Because we've got nothing to lose. We get it all back. And so we become extravagant givers. And if you want a picture of that, have you seen the lobby? I'm glad that you got in today. It looks like that scene from Home Alone 2 where he comes down and there's trees all surrounded by gifts. Praise God for your generosity. How cool is that if you look at that? Praise God. So not only that, but the thousands of socks that have been coming, I think we're going to far surpass the goal of 100,000 socks for our mission partners both here locally and around the world. Dozens of you serving and already volunteering for our Christmas services. Why? What more important thing could you do this Christmas season than welcome somebody into God's house to experience a love that could change their life forever? I got my my to-do list done, got my shopping list done, Got the house already? Made 8 different kinds of cookies. Yeah, but you missed Christmas. Yeah, but you missed the point. I was really busy and got it all done, but you missed the one thing that really matters. Volunteer, serve, share your faith. What could be more important? You are a church of radical generosity. As we mentioned last week, in the last two months, you have given above and beyond our campaign total from last fall to our brand new building, an additional $215,000, bringing that total for the last 12 months to $1.3 million. Praise God to the church. Praise God for your generosity. And when people look at that, they can say, wow, that's a lot of money. I, I'll tell you what I See, when I look at that, I see a church that knows the most generous king in the universe. When people look at Lutheran church, oh, they're the one with lots of people. Oh, they're the one with big fancy built. No. We're the church that really takes seriously this God that we serve, that we worship. At Christmas gave us everything. And so how do we live between the trees? We live with purpose, and we live with radical, radical generosity because we have a Savior who is with us today and has promised to come back again. So I'm going to close with a short video today. This one came out. um, It's actually a Duracell commercial, believe it or not. came out around Christmas a few years back, and what I want you to pay attention to, I don't know if they meant it this way or not, but this is what I see. I want you to pay attention to the Father, To the good and loving Father that has given the gift of His presence, the gift of His Spirit now, and then promises His full return later. And see if that doesn't remind you of another story. Let's take a look. So, this is my life now as a young dad with two young kids. I cry at battery commercials. the message of Revelation, the book of Revelation, is very, very clear. There is a God that has sent His Spirit to live inside of us now, to even be a voice, to be our Abba Father, our Daddy, that speaks to us today, that is fully present with you right in the middle of today. And that same Father has promised that he will come again in the flesh to be with us. And when he comes back, he'll come walking through that door. And like the children that he loves, he will wrap us up in his arms and he will make everything new. And all will be well because dad's home. Our Abba, our father, as Jesus calls him, will be home and we will be make our homes with him forever. The message of Revelation is that there is a God who loves you and is coming back for you. And until that time, his presence lives inside of you. And because of that, we can live as people of hope, a hope that is both for now and for later. Amen?